This episode is brought to you by Bullet Wealth. It's a new YouTube channel. It's got a lot of interesting facts about like financial advice. It's hosted by Scott Merrick. He's the owner of Maya Wealth, a wealth management company. And so he has the experience and the know-how. It's very entertaining. You can get a nice little financial segmented education if you go to Bullet Wealth on YouTube. Check it out. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. It is the underwear with the dual pouch system. One pouch for one part of the male anatomy, another for the other part of the male anatomy. Not only is the underwear the most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear, but it also has the most stylish designs and patterns. The fabrics actually have a cooling effect when you put them on for the very first time. Your body will thank you because it's one of the hottest parts of your body. So cooling it down with these special fabrics that Sheath provides is a nice experience. The proof is in the pudding. We have a 100% money back guarantee on the very first pair. If you don't like it, we'll send you your money back. Go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RPG and save 20%. We appreciate your support. Back to the show. Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheath. A Time Wheel Production. Thank you, Mitch Schultz, for joining me on my uh, podcast today. The director of DMT, The Spirit Molecule, and many more uh, movies, actually, documentaries, promoting, not promoting, just educating people on the uh, maybe benefits of certain things. What's uh, What have you been up to, sir? Well, gosh, um, what have I been up to? First off, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again and, and be able to come on and, and share some thoughts with you. Um, yes, thank you. I guess in general, I've been in the lab, I guess, so to speak. Um, it's been a little over a decade now since we released The Spirit Molecule. And during the pandemic, my producer reached out and said, hey, uh, it's been a decade. A lot has changed. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about making a sequel? And mm. So we we chatted about that, and uh, we spent some time conceptualizing a new piece, and we're wow. in the process of kind of getting that. Uh, you know, we've been building that for a little while, and then started production this year. So we started wow. doing some interviews, and we're excited to. I don't know. I'm not giving a date on release yet or anything like that, but we are we are in the process of working on it, and we're calling it tentatively the uh, the conscious molecule. Aha. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, that was such a hit and such a, you know, eye-opening movie that in the title couldn't have been better, The Spirit Molecule, you know, because it's like breaking it down to the tiniest molecule of where the spirit is, is it, what is it, but um, so this the conscious molecule. And yeah, a lot has changed 10 years. Tell me, can you enlighten me on... Yeah. <laughs> well, first off, I'd like to say that the title, obviously, I was based on Dr. Strassman's book, and he did sure. a really nice job, I think, of being able to, to kind of get a sense of maybe, you know, just the beginnings of what's going on. Um, so being able to tie it into this next one um, and, and the conscious molecule, what, what kept coming back to me and not only my experiences, but just life and my general curiosity of the world and what DMT and other psychedelics had pointed me towards was consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. And that's this big kind of elusive idea that we don't even know scientifically what is going on. We, we don't even have a sense of how do we know that we are ourselves? Right. Um, how do all these sensorium that we, we call the environment in our five senses play into giving us this sense of awareness um, and being able to kind of move through and navigate um, this unknown world. Yeah. So that's what came back to me. Conscious. Yeah. When I was in college, I remember 
I was super like partying and not in a good way, like not like with <laughs> psychedelics and I'm like expanding consciousness. I was doing like powders and I mixed LSD and mushrooms and, and like weird things you're not supposed to mix. But I do remember I, I put this big message on my wall. It was like expanded the whole wall and it just said enlightenment you know, uh -huh. I wanted, I wanted, I knew there was like something more. I did not feel like fully awake, like my shirt. Um, <laughs> and, and I think through the use over the years, a proper use of psychedelics, mushrooms, DMT, um, I feel like I am way, well, way more awake than I was for sure. And I attribute that to some of these experiences. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I would agree with you. It's um, if it wasn't for these substances and I, and I don't claim that these are the be all end all for everything, but in many ways, if it wasn't for being able to explore my consciousness in those ways that, that I wouldn't be here. Um, it, it gave me a broader perspective of myself, uh, gave me a broader perspective of the entire world and the universe and those around me. Um, the connections amongst all of those things, uh, that every word that we say, every action that we take, all of those things have impact and, and they have, they, they play out in ways that are extremely dynamic. It's not just on the individual maybe that you're having a discussion with, but can then resonate out way beyond that. And, and we, at least from my perspective and what I've come to is that we're not just perceiving this exterior world, we're also generating that exterior, exterior world. Um, and so we are creating this reality and the more awareness that we have of ourselves and, and the wider and broader world and the connections between those, that can really change our reality. Uh, that's the bottom line. We don't need all these wars. We don't need these economic collapses. Um, we have the technology to, to feed people and, and change the world that I know a lot of people out there want to see. So, yeah, but except the billionaires or multi-trillionaires that are just like toying with us. And like, I feel like it's an experiment. I heard that recently on a podcast and that, um, what was it? The movie with Eddie Murphy and it's like Trading Places where these two Trading billionaires places, yeah. playing with these guys, Dan Aykroyd, uh, lives. And I feel like something is not jiving with the story that we're getting from the main street media, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, so the way I like to look at that, for one, I think that humanity in general needs a new story. We need a story that we can all kind of rally behind because the stories that have been propagated through history, through human history, uh, they're outdated in many ways. They don't, they can't handle the complexity of where we are now and the information exchange playing oh my God. And technology development playing a huge role in how that stuff is disseminated. Mm -hmm. Um, those, those stories no longer, and I don't want to say they're, they're not valid, but they, they don't have the same, um, control slash, um, Resonance that they used to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and a lot of times too, I, I know it is easy to kind of look out and see the billionaire class doing a lot of things, and we might be might be easy to point fingers. And, yeah, oh, it's the politicians, mm -hmm. and and I, and I get a lot of that, and um, I also don't like to give those entities as much power as I think a lot of the conspiracy theorists tend to give okay. those. I don't think that there's as much forethought in what they're doing to actually say, I'm going to control the masses. Um, I, I think that. that they're operating off of what they think is best. Now, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of, a lot of that, okay. uh, but they, but I do think that, Everybody in this world is coming to the table with what they've learned in life and what their environment has told them. So whatever their life conditions are, that's how they see the world. That's how they interact with the world. They see it yeah. either as, is, is it a struggle? Is it a fight? Um, somebody out to give me? Or do I need to change myself to go um, kind of fit in with a group? And so I, I, I tend not to put as much power on or to the to those like malicious and, intent. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. You're, you're giving them the uh, benefit of the doubt that they're doing their best. <laughs> and I, I like no. that. That's very optimistic. I'm not, and I, I, I can't like 
like completely disagree with that because I don't know. We're just like looking at what's happening and saying like, is this even real? Like, you know, the arena simulation, <laughs> is this a joke? Yeah. How, yeah. And the simulation theory, it's, it's a fun one to, to bring up because that tends to, and I think it's <laughs> fallen into this, um, <clears throat> it's been a big question of a lot of people. It's just yeah. it's like a simulation. I, I, I think there's some validity to some of the scientific research that's going on out there about this idea of a simulation, but I also think that's really just a technological lens that we're using right now to understand our frame of reference on reality. Mm-hmm. Because if anybody out in the world tells you they know what the hell is going on, they're full of shit. I'll just tell you that right now. I don't care who it is. If it's president or leader or Fauci. Elon or anyone, nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And we're just scratching the surface of being able to kind of really understand, particularly on, on you know, relativity to quantum mechanics, that this is a purely informational, just possibilities. And it's really about where we look and how we perceive that is bringing it into existence, is my take. I've, I, I, <laughs> I've been med- I've been meditating a lot, you know, and so like my what I was gonna try to say there is is like what we perceive from the outside, you know, um, is one thing, but we're not necessarily looking in. Most of us, I think, because even me, up until like December of this past year, I I, I just started meditating like every day, like this transcendental <laughs> meditation, a lot, and it's not even kind of weird because i don't really think that much i just go like black but i'm mm-hmm. i'm feeling myself and i'm kind of just i i'm just i feel like i'm charging up is right I, I i liken it to because i'm getting these weird pulses and i think that they're tied to the source of life somehow cosmically or whatever metaphysically because i it i'm getting and i'm getting better and better where i can just like, I don't have to do it for 20 minutes. I can do it for, like, five minutes here, five minutes there, and kind of charge up. And I'm much more pleasant because this shit. <laughs> it makes a still, difference, doesn't it? Yeah, because I'm all, yeah. like, wound up and, like, fuck, right. all of this right. shit coming at me from all these directions. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I think you nailed it, though, too. And I, I think that's a big part of meditation is not thinking. Right. Uh, and it's one of the most amazing things about humans is this ability to think and think about thinking and think about thinking and thinking <laughs> <laughs> all the way down. Um, at the same time, we are so highly structured to think that with all this information overload and getting pulled a million different directions from social media or the news or politics or economy, um, it's best to turn off that thinking mind. And, and, and mm. whenever we can do that, we, we do kind of, I think, reconnect to source and, and it does reinvigorate us so so good on you i haven't been as good as a meditator as i should have been or should be so uh thanks for the inspiration (laughs) yeah it's not too late i mean we're similar age ish i think you're like a slight generation half generation (laughs) older but um yeah at heart and you know (laughs) uh so there's so many forms of meditation like you could be running right you know, and then, but well, I recommend transcendental meditation, like just to okay. anyone out there. Um, I know a guy, John Dewey, here in Woodland Park. He trained me. He was, and he was trained by the dude that was trained by the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And all he's like, all I ever wanted to do was be. And he just likes to be. He's a, he's a, a interesting dude. I don't give him enough credit. I should actually thank him for the impact because you think you know how to meditate. But then they kind of give you, they really break it down. You got an app. Now you get an app. Sorry, okay. not promoting TM, but it, it is really That's cool. Great. It is, and, and you can tell by the person who's teaching you or whatever, like, if I want to look like he's like 80, his skin looked fresh as a daisy, and he was smiling right. and laughing. And, you know, you want right. to, you know, want some bitter old dude teaching you because then he's like, No, but you get that sense when somebody is really there and really able to touch and and perceive and just be, like you said, just be, right? And and it shows across and it shines out from them and and people can tell um, without even having a conversation with someone, I think. Right. Yeah. And I think 
that's weird because like we all sort of maybe seek that level of en- enlightenment um and, but then you have people that go to gurus and then they kind of follow them to me and to me that's a little bit strange but i follow people i guess like joe rogan or whatever these people these podcasters i'm not your guru anthony robbins <laughs> what are you tra- i mean what are you trying to do you know i do my I think it's great to look for examples in the world that that can influence you and that inspire you and that, that inspire you to to maybe look at a broader sense of yourself and change. I poke around so many different places. Um, I, I I have a hard time with anybody that calls themselves a guru or again <laughs> says they know the answer. Um, I tend to, to run the other way when I hear that. Now that doesn't mean that I don't like to tune in and listen to I to people that I think are, you know, onto something that is um, next level. I, I, a lot of times where my interest has been, um, I would say is more in the philosophical realms. Um, and, mm. and again, trying to kind of philosophy kind of gets shoved to the side in the science scientific community. And I love philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I love it. But there's just so much of philosophy that has really laid groundwork for how we even, I mean, it, in many ways, if it wasn't for philosophy, we wouldn't even have science. Yeah, asking right? questions, right? Being able to ask those questions and being able to say, well, what? how can we go measure something and how do we measure that? And and now when we're starting to have, you know, in the more modern age, experiments from science that are telling us that uh, reality is not as you think, we need new philosophies to be able to start expanding that horizon, so to speak, on, wow. on what it could be. So, yeah, it's asking different questions and, you know, I guess philosophizing like Socrates, Socrates. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's fascinating. I love Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you're... Love Joseph Campbell, one of, one of my best... Um, <laughs> and that gets back to, I mean, I'm a storyteller, so um, him being able to kind of lay out those connections... Oh all humans just resonated with me and, and still does to this day. Marshall McLuhan is another person that, that really um, has laid some good groundwork, at least in my thoughts, I think, um, on how technological developments impacts us and, and how <laughs> I forgot I can re-listen to this. McLuhan, he, is, um, <clears throat> he was way ahead of his time, um, even kind of predicting the internet back in you know the 50s. Um, wow, just yeah. Amazing. Amazing, amazing person to sometimes hard to listen to, uh, you know, as far as his, his conceptual formulations are challenging. And it'd be times where I'm like, I need to go back and reread that whole chapter. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, it's, it's so deep and, and rich and, and can offer us. And his idea of technology is not just, you know, our cell phones or computers, but he would even go as far to say language. Language mm-hmm. is a human technology. Um, that we have that we have been using um, fire um, spears and that technological development on how that information is exchanged um, was really kind of his where he was looking you know how quick is it going to go from a printed message where most people in the world can't read to ratcheting up to where you have a huge increase in literacy okay. and from that to printed newspapers every day, then to tell a radio, television, and now the internet. And then just imagine what VR and augmented reality do to our perception of consciousness and the environment around us. Uh, we don't quite know yet. We're just at the beginnings of that, but uh, that should be adding some extra layers of awareness. Um, I think <laughs> to- so <laughs> I'm thinking of like, uh, what what was the last thing, thing you said? I said that's where I put a lot of my time. Is I guess oh. kind of more into the philosophical nature of things, where it's it's a little more uh, things are a little more loose as opposed to locked down. Right. Would you plug in? <laughs> you know, to like a matrix. <laughs> well. Um, I guess the way I like to look at that, um, I, I think it's inevitable that technology is developing and that it is cross-pollinating with our physical biological system 
Uh, I think that is going to be part of our future. I think we need to, I think there's a lot of things that we need to be cautious of, of course, and, and consider as we're developing this stuff. Um, but I think we already live in a singularity. There, um, the, the way most people describe, let's just take technology, for instance, we look at it as outside of us. Um, we look at it as artificial. We call it artificial intelligence. It's, um, it's inanimate. At the same time, that has been dreamed up and conceptualized in the human mind. We are nature using mm -hmm. natural products to create new extensions and ways of sensing the world. Um, and I think that we're not going towards a singularity where there's going to be this event where we just wake up and we're part of the machine. I think we already live in the singularity. The entire universe is a singularity. Uh, it's yeah. referencing itself back and forth and learning about itself. And that's part of us doing what we do with technology. Yeah, I saw this these kids playing uh, recently for hours on end and just like <laughs> looking and like learning and, uh, you know, like, what's this? What's that? You know, and like, I don't know, that, that made me like, it's like a little robot, like learning its environment right. and, you know, and then it's going to live its life or whatever. But um, I don't, the, the, <clears throat> the plug-in thing was about like, Energy. Ah. Well, both. I mean, well, I was gonna say I was thinking Neuralink earlier. I said something about that, but also but just like a charger, some kind of battery, you could live forever probably, because that's I don't know how else we would live forever. Maybe and you might not want to live forever, you know. But well, that was my question. Is like <laughs> honestly, do we want to? Um I think it's fascinating that we've been able to start extending our lives longer and longer. Um, but the idea of immortality, I mean, to me, death is actually really more life. You know, the idea and the concept of death, and I, I don't get into the heaven and hell realm, but I think that there is this continuance of the universe, this singularity. And if matter or energy doesn't cease to exist, then we spirit, whatever you want to call it, soul, we fall back into uh, the oneness. And um, I don't think we cease to exist. So Okay, I, this I, is good. We already live forever. <laughs> it's okay. just a matter of how we perceive it. This is a perfect segue because <laughs> I've, I've done DMT, you know, and I took the three hits, but a lot of a, like a bong and just like right. blasted off and saw the gestures like my my thing because i and i want you to tell me uh, your one of your wildest experiences but also this kind of gave me a sense that life does exist outside of the body because i saw myself leave the top of my head and and i went through some like weird portal i wish i could draw it or have it made but it was like all these things and like all these like cubes are opening and I'm going through it. And then I pop in on this, it's like a glass house in these, mm. everything is glass and white or whatever. And these two gestures are sipping tea and it might've been more than two, but one of them looks over at me and he goes, Shh. and then <laughs> from that, it was like t telegraphed or whatever to me that we got this under control. You don't need to be here. We exist. It's here, but, go back to your realm, you know, and take care of that dimension. That's where mm. you're supposed to be. And that's, but it, it opened my eyes to like, there's a, I don't know, just that life ex could exist or consciousness could exist outside of the body. Yes. And I've had a lot of those experiences. I think a couple, um, well, a couple of interesting distinctions. We're talking about DMT and NDMT, which we did the first film on, and Dr. Strassman did his research on. That experience that people have described, that very common experience, mind you. Um, Weird. Is, that it, yeah. Which is very fascinating to me that, that, yeah. it's, that that's the case. Um, but you go into this fractal, ever-changing, super-fast information scape, you know? And to me, that is like the... It's the pure information building blocks that are out there 
that make up what we perceive as this three-dimensional body and um, and there's intelligence behind that uh, or consciousness or awareness and and even other entities if you want to call them that that are living at different iterations of of the makeup of all of this um, and then on the flip side of that 5-MeO um, another very simple molecule but slightly different causes <laughs> or brings about uh, unitive experiences where you're not getting the bright fractal colors but you are in kind of a void or at least how my many of my experiences so in this void but you are literally connected to everything breathing in and out mm. all existence except you're not seeing the information scape you're in that kind of singularity um so i guess to to jump then jump to you were asking about one of my craziest experiences uh, there's probably too many to mention here but but one that sticks out to me uh particularly was about let's see it was about it was almost a decade to my very first dmt experience uh the film had come out and sitting with a friend and my first dmt experience was in 20 2002. oh wow this was in in, in 2012 and I hit the DMT and almost instantly I popped back into the same exact, this isn't the bright fractal crazy world. I popped into the same apartment I was in in New York City when I smoked DMT for the first time. Weird. And I looked around and I'm seeing the other five people that are with me, the lamps, everything. And then from that split second of like that recognition of like, oh my gosh, I'm back in New York City the first time I smoked DMT. I lived 10 years of my life because it showed me this is what happened. You decided to make a movie and then it dropped me. It took 30 minutes. It was a 30 minute experience and then dropped me back into my current location where I was with my friend. And it basically showed me this experience right here equated to all of this. And I lived those two in 30 minutes. Nice. And that was one of the most mind-bending experiences. It wasn't just the, you know, the crazy chaos of all the different information and things shifting around. But I had a very real sense that there was a connection from that experience that I could have a conscious awareness of and then live the last 10 years of my life in complete flash frames, obviously extremely fast, but they, were, they weren't that kind of wow escape trippy i mean well i know i mean i'm two people i I feel like maybe people's lives have been changed by psychedelics like steve jobs and aubrey marcus he talked about like you know his experience and how it helped him i think somehow or another develop the on it company and i think and with me I just, I guess, I don't know, you know, whether I did, I did, I did them very carelessly when I was young and remember seeing like cool, like cool shit and, but never, you want that growth now. You want the, I don't want to just see fucking wild colors and stuff. Right. Right. The walls breathe. I want introspection, growth, um, enlightenment, as I was saying earlier. And that's a big part of that that set and setting, right? That um, mm. we get out of an experience, you know, what what kind of care and thought we put into it ahead of time, and and what sort of situation that we put ourselves in. And I was the same way early on. It was it was reckless. I was partying. I wasn't really thinking much about it. Yeah. You know, God, I was able to have some experiences in my younger days where I was like, "There's something else here that was pretty amazing," and was able mm. to touch some of those places. Uh, but it wasn't until my my late twenties, and then even to get in my early thirties, where it was more about sitting, the meditation, mm. uh, having that that broader conscious awareness. Um, and you know, I will say DMT was the direct result. But DMT, my first DMT experience was a direct result of that movie being made, and where we are today. Uh, that one of the first things I remember consciously thinking when I came back from that very first experience in New York was why is anyone talking about this? And I have to make a movie. And that was like, let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> you 
it was really Terrence McKenna out, and then Joe had oh. talked a little about it on on some of his early early shows. Um, and I was like, we have to get out there and be able to explain this because, or at least have a discussion about it because this is a naturally occurring compound that causes very repeatable experiences, not just for this one individual, but for many individuals that look very similar. Um, and if we don't, it's still strange to me that most of science isn't looking at this right now because... It's fascinating. It's like <laughs> life-altering. Right. You know, to, to see the other side without having to die and it's repeatable and convincing as fuck. Like, it's all really... Like time slowed down. I was like, we took it, and then it's like we were listening to music, and then this music was like, and it stopped. And I was in like this tube, and I and I had never heard about the Joe Rogan's talking about like the uh, the jester like shot him the bird. I when I heard that after I had had my experience, and I the both of the jesters, I was like, that's weird. His is like with the finger up and mine was a finger up, but it was like this. I don't think I misremembering. It was pretty vivid, but um, that I don't know. I wanted to say this based on what you said, like a couple seconds ago, which was like sitting, sitting, you know, you're not like at a party and fucking at a right, right. concert. You're like in the, maybe in the dark. I don't know. I go sometimes in the dark with, a couple of uh, grams of psilocybin and it's so weird. Like the transition, it's like, but it's like, it's, it's, um, well, for me, it's, it's almost like repeatable or it can't like, <clears throat> there's these weird, like, it feels like pipes flushing, um, spaghetti, little weird sexual things like weird like vaginas like like going like mm-hmm. weird but anyways uh and then you then you're in in the thing then you're kind of like tripping a little you know yeah but uh do you have what's what's your <laughs> practice and experience well with, uh, i think i think you nailed it i i, I tend to in my experience because i don't like being out in public anymore period on them um, right. If and when I do them, there's very selective times, and I'm usually kind of sensing the environment. Okay, it's time for a little <laughs> reminder, so to speak, or, or meditation. Uh, but I think doing it in the dark, or at least a low light situation, so minimizing as much as you can your external factors that are playing a role and pulling or vying for your attention, you know, and that can be a light where your eyes are like, oh, what's that? Mm-hmm. But if you minimize those and close your eyes. Um, have all your things kind of where you need them. You're not going to be interrupted at the door. Your phone's not going to go off um, with some, I tend to like music that doesn't have um, words, a lot of words, if any at all. And just let, let the music um, very spacious, just kind of take it. And it almost kind of is, is like a cleansing almost, um, not just on my consciousness, but a lot of times it feels like my entire physical body and even nervous system. So I, I traditionally, I think that's the way um, a lot of, you know, ayahuasca, for instance, it's, it's always done in the dark. Um, mm. you don't want to have a lot of other external influences kind of, again, vying for your attention. That makes me think of like real life, <clears throat> real life, like <laughs> in controlling. Uh, what's that? <laughs> IRL, right? In real life. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Bobby, IRL. And, you know, controlling your environment. That We don't really think about that when we're in real life. You know, you're allowing chaos into your environment with the news or with these toxic people or, you know, name whatever thing it might be in your environment that's not harmony, harmoniously kind of flowing with you <clears throat> i just thought of that you know we're having a conversation i don't really think too much no but you're right we don't take that thought process into our daily lives right we yeah. might do that for a meditation or a psychedelic experience but imagine all the influences and we get pulled not just pulled in a direction but our our emotions are getting triggered on a regular basis yeah. whether it's 
news article that pops up and you're like, oh, God damn that politician or, you know, fuck that guy or whatever it might be. The, those small little things actually affect every aspect of our daily lives. They, they impact, if you might have a bad conversation with somebody at work and then you go home and then your partner takes that on um, and then the kids feel it. And then, you know, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. this ripple effect. And if we can take a little bit more time and effort to think about what we have around us at all times, our environment. And it's not about controlling that environment. It's about being able to kind of set up a resonance that works well for us to be the most thoughtful, uh, caring, empathetic, efficient, even if you want to look at it that way. Um, I think it would benefit all of us for that. Yeah, they say like, you know, you got to fill your cup and uh, take care of yourself so that you can take care of others and, you know, give yourself a reprieve. I've been doing it more lately with the meditation and thankfully my wife has been really just like supportive, or, you know, and she'll just because it's like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes if uh, if I'm like whatever. And we've been having a lot of visitors and it's just like yeah. a lot of stimuli and visiting and it's just like talking and saying i need to go and charge up and <clears throat> that's that's so that, that that's kind of like a way i'm kind of like controlling my environment and people say that you should do that but how do you do that well that's how i do that how do you do that yeah. well i've been learning slowly it's not an easy thing i, I think one of the the most recognizable things that I have noticed, I, I consume a lot of news, uh, scientific research, just articles. So I've got my feed and I'm not, I'm on social media, but I don't use social media like people do. So I, I have my news feed. So I will notice that just scrolling through and even reading headlines, yeah. all of a sudden little things like that. And then it starts, it affects my day. You know, it affects how I'm talking to somebody else, how happy I might feel that day. And so that's a pretty obvious one. So there are times where I'm just like, all right, put the phone down, stop, stop reading the news or uh, just that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get up and every now and then I'll come up like in the morning, I have like a fresh idea. Oh, I got this tweet. Let me tweet it out. And then, but then I see another tweet from someone else and that will pique my interest, but it's not, I don't get mad until I see someone else's comment and I'm like, you fucking re- <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and trying to find the compassion for those folks too. That's the hard part, right? It's um, because again, I, I do think that we're all, even if somebody is trolling, you know, and just being an asshole to be an asshole, yeah. the reason they're doing that is because that's all they know. That's all they know <clears throat> how to do. That's what the, you know, that's what the world has taught them. And um, we can choose to engage in that. And if we engage in it, then it's going to probably get worse. You get lost in <laughs> or it. Or we can yeah. shoot to just walk the other way, and we don't mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can open up. So I guess to answer that question, it's it's not just the news feed, but, like, again, just being aware of what are the things in my life that are around and how they're influencing me on a daily basis. And, and uh, you know, psychedelics teaches you how to do that. If you become more aware of yourself, you can start to see where your triggers are. Um, how, why am I responding to this politician this way? Or why am I um, responding to my partner this way? Whatever it might be, there's, there are these little things that we can start to have some awareness to. And if we can kind of mediate those, step aside when we need to, not engage. If there's a barrier in front of me, instead of trying to knock it down, which has been my MO, you know, growing up early in life, maybe I can walk around it as opposed mm. to breaking it down. Yeah. And some of this is just, um, it's an ongoing process. I am by no means perfect, and it's a constant kind of back and forth. Um, good days, bad days, good weeks, Absolutely. bad weeks. Uh, yeah, okay, that's good to hear. I mean, in a way, because it's comforting, because, like, I have, I had fucking, like, the two bad weeks, and, and it was, like, my own mental torment that was, like, of a something you don't have control over type thing and you're just like that's it right there (laughs) whatever we don't have that control over and the only thing we really have control over is our reaction to it to a situation yes yeah because i was triggered as the kids say Mm -hmm. and and it it, but it like would not go away for like two weeks and finally i came to some weird i think i didn't i chilled on the weed a little bit because i was like 
that can sometimes over amplify paranoia. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely can. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> and when you start to feel that paranoia, yeah, excuse me. I always recommend people step away because that can that can develop later, even for long term users uh, of, of cannabis. Uh, if you start to have those, it's probably good to step away for a little while. Um, good. Yes. Yeah. See, so, listen to Mitch, job, people. <laughs> I need, and I know, and I need to. I have been, but I also, when I say step away, I mean, I'm just not smoking like constantly. I'm just like right. little, just for whatever, like microdosing almost, if you will. Of yeah, weed. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sitting down smoking all blunt, just hit, you know, one or two off the vape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I did that with, <clears throat> I, I used to take Adderall, which a lot of the, a lot of the people take it and it's, quite effective but you can, i think you can become addicted to it you know because it's it's really stimulates you and you feel good and you get like tell me what yeah charge well it just charges your um your entire nervous system right so it's heightened at all times and it can be very effective and, and i started with adhd myself and so i know it can be effective at the same time it can be detrimental if you're not careful yeah uh, it's really about any of these medicines nicotine oh i don't keep nicotine out of there cannabis uh, psychedelics adderall it's how they're used whether it becomes a medicine yeah whether it becomes a poison yeah Right. And I would think I was poisoning myself at what because I was doing it like every day for three years, I think, in like just, you know, the full dose or whatever. And it, my body started showing signs of like breaking down and shit. And I'm just Absolutely. Like, I had to because you're, you're redlining your adrenal glands and whatever is happening. It's not okay to do long term. It's not sustainable, I don't think. Right. And so I had to like sort of break free and i started titrating down type thing yep. and my brother matt who you're uh, familiar familiar with he oh, he was <laughs> yeah, he was instrumental in helping me just kind of like be like you're acting like a fucking psycho when you're on this shit you know like you're not all there and so that and and like sort of tough loving me into stopping that so i titrated down and basically just stopped and i think that's you know it's some it's not easy to just quit chemically shit that you've been taking especially well, it's, it is also that thing i you know i noticed it with myself in, in many different circumstances with quote-unquote medicines or whatever but we don't act the same way if it, it is getting abused and mm -hmm. we can't be a little more aggressive we don't even realize it we're just like you know but it's that little snap or how you say that word and everybody else is like whoa what what's going on here? <laughs> and, I, and i also think that i have i have a history of a lot of um a lot of trauma and it's been working through that um so it's it's that stacked and compounding trauma, but then when you start throwing substances in on that, and, and particularly when you're talking about Adderall or speed, that that ratchets that that tension up in the body and in the mind and within the post-traumatic stress, and all those little things start popping off, right, without even us being fully aware. Interesting. Very so. Yeah, life is a trip. <laughs> I, well, because I feel like I, I had like some trauma, and I think I guess we could all maybe maybe not all, whatever find something. Um, but with with uh, you know being in Iraq and these, they make you work these fucking insane twenty four hour shifts, and then you're talk about being like fried to your nervous system or whatever and then you try to go to sleep right. and this was my experience is you go to sleep you go lay down finally you can lay down but you're so wired up like it's hard to fall asleep but you're like at least i'm in bed and then they fucking come and they knock again and they're like we got more work to do and you're like fuck uh, yeah it, I, and i remember that moment like to this day it's like electrified i was like so like pissed or whatever just fried that for a decade i couldn't sleep 
and like a knock on the door right. would like freak me out and shit. But it's now I'm pretty good and I'm finally sleeping. Good. Yeah, like getting eight hours. Like it might take me. I might get up a few times a night, but then I actually have been getting eight hours, which is insane. How is your sleep? I'm the same way. Like I, I I've struggled with sleep my entire life. Um, you know, looking back over the, uh, looking back at my life and the traumas and stuff, I and I know those have played a huge role in in that. I think it's also part of my naturally curious mind. It's just, sometimes it's just hard to shut it off. My mind's constantly like, Oh, what about this? What about this? Uh, but we, but we know and science proves again and again, that sleep is a very, very important and critical part of our well-being, Right. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you're using any sort of substances, because at night your brain is literally dumping the toxins that you've been feeding it throughout the day. And if you're not sleeping and going through uh, a normal, you know, at least six hours, but eight hours of sleep, you're not getting that stuff out of your body. And again, that stuff starts to compound and then it makes it harder to sleep. And then it's even more trauma. And so it just continues to build and spiral. And so if we can allow ourselves that, and, and again, I'm not perfect in this regard, but it is getting better as, as, time is going on where I can say, okay, it's time to lay down. Uh, let's not have the computer screen open in bed while you're trying to go to sleep or even thinking about it before. It's it's really putting that stuff away because that, that also helps keep you awake and get your mind running in different directions. Um, but uh, sleep is important. Sleep is extremely important, not just for athletes for recovery, but every one of us um, to be able to function on, on, a, on a level that we would call quote unquote normal or at least yeah. sort of normalcy too. Yeah. Healthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, sleep. Yeah. I mean, cause <laughs> I feel like I was, I was not getting it to the point where I was like, I had to go to hypnot get hypnotized and that kind of helped a little bit. I think what's been really helping is, is the meditating and what I'm, what I'll do a couple things. Two, two are not so good. One is good. So I'll smoke like half a cigarette. Okay. <laughs> take like two, not whatever. And then I'll take like two hits or three hits from the uh, some indica, which those are the bad things probably. I could probably right. take them out. But that's like you're going to bed. I'm telling my body because I, I don't smoke during the day like a cigarette or whatever. But yeah. I, I do. And to go to bed. Anyways, but then I've just added this in, and I think this has been helping the most, is I'll go sit down, and I'm, I act like I'm going to meditate. I do the meditation, breathing, just slow everything down, but just for like two minutes. Because right. if you do it for too long, it can like wake you up or whatever. So I'm just right. slowing the body down in a chair. So I try to do it laying down, and it doesn't work. Anyways, um, but yeah, I, I, I typically will smoke a bowl, you know. And and I don't. And I was talking to this other dude, um, Saint Yeti, yesterday or on the last podcast. Sorry, and he was saying your body, like you were kind of just saying about how it's dumping when you're sleeping. Your body's trying to find homeostasis, I guess, when you're sleeping. And so I don't know that I'm really getting proper sleep. Do you what? Do you have like a well, ritual? I mean, I was a. Um... I'm just thinking about the cannabis side of this thing. And um, I don't know if you, a lot of people have said this in the past and I, and I found it to be the case, but it's a dream stealer. Yes. Right. So you don't dream, you might dream, but it may not be in whatever yeah. I take cannabis out of my daily diet. Oh my gosh. My dreams are, you know, through the roof and extra, extra, extra high def and different, you know, very memorable, very real in a lot of ways. And, and I think what's kind of going on there, and I don't smoke as much as I used to, but it does a, um, your mind, I think also during sleep is processing story, right? It's processing what you went through during the day. It's not just about dumping these toxins, but it's literally generating what happened today. Where does this need to fit? How does this memory fit with this memory? And, and stack experience. And so the next day when you're waking up, that stuff is kind of encoded or defragged into your hard drive. Um, and then it's going to affect how you go forward. So yes. I found when I'm smoking a lot of cannabis and I'm not dreaming, I don't feel like I'm getting the same sort of story cohesion, so to speak, on what needs to be kind of fitting into place. 
Um, and so that, that I do, if I'm going to smoke, I try not to smoke right before bed, um, is one way to do it. But I also know that that has helped me in the past, you know, just being able to kind of shut down the mind a little bit, but I do find more benefit out of being able to dream a little more regularly yeah. than not have it at all. You know, I wake up and I was a you know, cannabis smoker from the time I woke up until I was going to bed at night. And that's, you know, now for a while, it might be, I might not smoke for a week, you know, and then so there, it's still there, but it's not that kind of like five, six, seven, eight times a day kind of approach. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to get to just a reasonable level. And I I mean, it's definitely better, you know, like the old days of smoking blunts and stuff like that was just stupid probably, but whatever. Now I, d- I have my little one hitter, my little, you know, you put like a tiny little bowl in there and keep it. You can like, cause you want to, it's almost like medicine. If you will, you're taking right. a, a dose, you know, and you can yeah. measure it out this way instead of just like blunts. And that's insane. I try not to look back at, at my, my bad habits that were <laughs> past behavior and um, apply a negative connotation to them because then it keeps feeding that Thanks. story okay. in your head. And so look at it more as this is a learning experience. Uh, I may want to change something in the future. And so it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, it's a bad thing. Uh, may not have been the most healthy, but that's about yeah. getting a broader perspective of yourself and being able to learn from that. And, and another kind of just quick note on that. I, I had a, um, had a crazy trauma when I was 19. Actually, I just moved to Colorado freshman in college and within the first month of classes i got jumped by five guys oh no i'm a pretty big guy uh these guys were my size and bigger so i got i got my ass kicked handed to me um and it was a it was a pretty rough beating ended up in the hospital and then that had developed after that but i bring this up in the point because i never processed that experience I knew that, you know, I've done a lot of work with psychedelics and ayahuasca and ibogaine and any number of things to to really get back to all these other traumas that I've had in my past. Uh, But I knew that there was something there that I couldn't quite unravel. uh, And I couldn't, you know, it's kind of like this elusive thing. I'd look this way and no, not there. um, But I do feel that a lot of my cannabis use had blocked me from being able to fully go back and process that that beating. Interesting. and last year i had a psilocybin experience that like took me straight back to that experience and for four hours i relived it i wasn't tripping i was having full memory of getting my ass kicked and so i just was swaying and swinging and yelling um and was able to actually process that wow but but i i do know or at least you know, looking back at all that now, I feel like my cannabis use was a big part of kind of keeping that at, a, at bay, you know. In some ways, it was probably necessary because it was so intense and it was such an intense experience um, and it needed time to kind of process. You weren't ready to process I wasn't it. ready, but it also pushed down a lot of the ability to even perceive that. So... Grow past it and stuff. Um we're coming up on time, but we still have quite a few minutes. Um, so are you, so when I take mushrooms, I don't like, I'll always, you know, you take it and you sit there for like 20, 30, 45 minutes, whatever. And then you take, then you take a bowl cause that kicks it in. And I've always done it that way. I've never not done it that way. So have you, so I like, I like cannabis with my psychedelics. It, it, it tends to kind of, for me anyways, kind of round the edges off a little bit. Um, so you okay. kind of settle into it. Yeah. And what I've done over the last probably six, seven years, I have experimented with um, compounding different substances. So I'm not just taking, you know, mushrooms and um, and cannabis, for instance. It would be like, all right, well, let's, work with a MDMA and then a dissociative and, and be, and, and these aren't like huge doses. It's, it's trying to find that magic space, but I really like combining um, compounds these days because you can get into some very, very interesting places, you know, where telepathy opens up or 
uh, sometimes you don't have to say a word and everything's just like pop, 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 pop. And you're like, aha. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, it's not every day that I'm having to do these either. That's the other thing. You know, it's like a, it, there are. <clears throat> How often? You know, it varies. Um, yeah, Ideally. You know, I, I was just thinking about this the other day a lot. I, actually, when I was in the process of making the first Spirit Molecule film from about 2007 until about 2011, once a month I was having, a, you know, I locked down on a weekend and I would just do a meditation with psychedelics. And I found that I was in my best mental health. Now, I don't think that that, you know, once a month is, you know, ideal necessarily. But I was kind of feel, I'm feeling that. I was I was kind of on that. Because on that. I also treat it as church or mm-hmm. or or touching the divine, and it's it wasn't just about the meditation. It's also about kind of tuning into the universe, and, and that can do so much for our day to day life. I mean, I was working out regularly. I was happier. I didn't have a problem waking up or sleeping. And so it was because I've been trying to kind of recalibrate myself, um, getting closer to 50. Like, where am I going here? And what's, you know, how is my body responding and my mind and these past experiences? How do I kind of get back to that? So I don't know what it has been the last few years. It feels like, you know, I'll go through a stint where, you know, for a couple months I'm having some regular experiences and then I won't touch them for six months, you know? Okay. Well, yeah. But it's, yeah. It's just kind of whenever it, the calling comes in, you know, I feel like I have to force it or, Oh, it's gotta be this, this much or this little, it's, it's just kind of being able to tune into myself and what's going on in the world and my personally in myself that, that I might need something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I was on that same like regiment on a monthly thing and that was, that was working. And then, but so, at some point I just was like, I'm good. And like you said, yeah. six months go by or whatever. And then now it's, it's like it's been a while. Let me check in, check in. Mm-hmm. See what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening out there. Yeah, I mean, and then you have some people who are kind of like on the psychedelic, and we won't talk shit too much. But anyways, it's like the psychedelic kind of like um, train, if you will, like talking about the promoting it or something a lot, but they don't even do it, which is weird. That's interesting right. to me. But. Yeah, I, think, I mean, it depends on kind of where they're coming from. I think a lot of times, I mean, it, if they're promoting it or at least talking about the benefits of it, because I, I think the only reason to take psychedelics at this point in my life is for life-affirming experiences. It's not about getting high. Mm-mm. It's not being able to learn about myself. But if there's somebody out there that doesn't do it, I would imagine they probably at least tried it. Yeah, I think that's so more of a thing. That. Yeah, they've done it. But and that's also, even... Yeah, that's I also good. respect that. People, you know, look, what's the old saying? It's like, once you get the message, you can hang up the phone. You don't have to keep going back. Nice. Um, and for some people, that works great. Um, some people might need a little more of that as, as a regularity um, to keep themselves at where they want to be. But, but then I, there's people that maybe do, do too much. Absolutely. There's a point where it's like people are just chasing it. It's like, oh, I saw the crazy blue spaghetti whatever <laughs> and it's and it's, it's it's about trying to always top that experience or get back to that experience and i think that's where it becomes an issue um for self it, it should yeah. be us, you know understanding self in a bigger and broader way so, yeah i'm loving how it's all like the education has become more available on how to properly learn and use these medicines you're one of the main influences in the world of pushing this. And I'm very excited to hear about the sequel. I mean, like sometimes the sequel is going to suck, but this one, you know, <laughs> because it has, there has, there's just so much more information. Like that one will look primitive compared to this one. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I will say, and it, hopefully not just being pompous, but I have, I've seen this next film it's going to blow the spirit molecule out of the water. Um, it's, it's going to be next level. And, and it's not just the look and the feel of it, but the story itself. Um, we're going to be looking at the DMT experience, both 5-MeO and NMDMT, but really expanding upon what does this tell us about consciousness, not just within humans, but across the entire universe. 
And I think we started out like humans need a new story right now. Yeah. And I'm not saying I have the story, but I think I have an idea about where we could start to look. And consciousness seems to be that place for me. So. I love it. I love it. I'm <laughs> so excited. I'm so happy and grateful to have had uh, this hour with you. It's great Thank catching you, up. Yes. You know, yes. We yes. To, we'll have to get together again soon, but I really appreciate I need it. To get to Colorado. Yeah. Well, and did where you did that? you where did you graduate? Did you graduate in Colorado? No, my my brother did. I did go to school up there for a little while. I went to UT Austin uh, for my undergrad and then graduate school in New York. So, oh, okay, all right. But I've I've lived in Colorado, and Colorado has been part of my life for years. And I started going up there when I was five, and um, love that place. Well, if you're ever here, hit me up. I think you got my number. Got it. All right, brother. (laughs) Well, we're out of here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Don't drop out. Uh, (laughs) I'll see. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks all.